Welcome to Get It Done Entrepreneurs, where we talk with founders of companies who bet on themselves in one. My name is Rich LeBrun, and I am the founder and CEO of LeBrun Advisory Group. You can find us at rlebrun.com. Our mission is to help our clients build wealth through business ownership. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest. I want to introduce our special guest today, Sebastian Legree. Sebastian is the CEO and founder of Legree Fitness. Legree has over 500 studios in, in over 30 countries and is continually expanding. Sebastian also developed a performer to be paired with his method in 2006. Over the next 15 years, Legree would go on to invent the Megaformer, the Supra, the EVO, and EVO2, which we'll probably learn about as we go here. The Mega is a patented piece of fitness equipment that uses varying degrees of tension. The Supra is a first digitally controlled fitness machine that inclines and tilts. Additionally, Sebastian is the only person in the United States who holds patents on both fitness equipment and a fitness method. Sebastian currently holds over 135 patents and believes that a key ingredient to successful innovation is persistence. Sebastian's latest launches, namely the Microformer and the Miniformer, revolutionized home fitness in 2020 during COVID and again in 2022. And Legree Fitness continues to lead the industry's expansion into the future of fitness with the launch of Degree on Demand virtual platform for all things Legree. His long list of A devotees include people I'm sure our listeners are going to know, Meghan Markle, Christine Quinn, Rita Ora, Michelle Kwan, January Jones, Michelle Obama, Nicole Kidman, Sofia Vergara, Jennifer Aniston, and many more. He has been featured in countless media, media such as Forbes, Vogue, Harper's Bazaar, Refinery29.com, Insider.com, and more. And with millions of media impressions every year, Sebastian is a media's go-to fitness expert. Wow, what a what a resume you have there, Sebastian. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Rachel. I appreciate that. Yeah, I was really, uh, really impressed and I uh, get a chance to read up about you and all the things that you're doing fitness-wise. So I don't want to be the only one that knows that. So why don't you share with our listeners your story? How did you get into the fitness business and maybe a little bit how you uh, got to where you are today? And then we'll talk about maybe some of the ups and downs along the way. Absolutely. Uh, well, you know, I, I kind of got into the business of fitness by chance. You know, uh, I've always been into involved into, into fitness. I started when I was 13 years old to lift weight. And uh, and I'm an introvert. So lifting weight, bodybuilding is something that, that you know, really uh, echoed with me and something that uh, was very easy for me to kind of fall in love with. Uh, when I moved in the U.S., I was 17. And so uh, at the time... Uh, you know, fitness, bodybuilding was a little obscure in France, but um, really, uh, really well established already in the U.S. So I started to bodybuild when I was 17, 18 years old, and I started to do some photography with uh, local photographers. When I, when I first moved, I moved to Oregon. And so the photography and the filmmaking really like I, I really like that aspect, that, that creative aspect. So I decided, you know, I'm going to finish my school. And then when I'm done with this, I'm going to move to California and I'm going to try my luck uh, in the acting business. So at 25, I moved to L.A., tried to become an actor. And then, of course, it did not work out. However, every single time I went on an audition or I went to a party, whatever, because of my physique, people was asking me, hey, you know, are you a personal trainer? So for the first two or three weeks, no, no, I'm an actor, you know, blah, blah, blah. 
And then I started to run out of money. And then so uh, I uh, I thought, you know what? If people see me as a personal trainer, I'm just going to go with this. You know, I need to make some cash. And so, you know, uh, very quickly, you know, someone else asked me if I'm a personal trainer. And I said, yes. And then I uh, then I had my first client. And uh, well, basically, I needed a place to train that person. And that led me to uh, to a Pilates studio that was on Melrose Place in West Hollywood. And uh, and then the owner was like, listen, I, I will let you take your clients to my gym. You can train them with the weight. But we also have this method called Pilates. And I'm like, what is that? You know, I, I had read everything I could learn about fitness, read all the uh, the books, encyclopedia, research, all that stuff. I was really a fitness butt, buff and um, uh, never heard of Pilates. So he gave me a quick uh, a quick training on, uh, on what Pilates was and it started to feed me the clients. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was teaching Pilates, the, the traditional method for the first couple, maybe the first three weeks. And, um, and then I saw that all the clients who, that he gave me would all go to the gym afterwards. So we do a Pilates sessions with them and then they would go and work out with the trainer. And that didn't sit well with me. Uh, I'm like, you know, I didn't like the fact that, you know, uh, I, I felt like I was doing a pre-warm-up, you know, or like a pre-workout on the Pilates machine. So I went to uh, the person who hired me and I said, listen, um, these people that you're giving me don't really like Pilates because they're they're not getting what they want because they go to the gym afterwards. I can keep those people at your studio because they're not going to stay. I can keep the studios if you allow me to change your method because essentially when you do a Pilates workout, the traditional, original Pilates method, you're not going to sweat, you're not going to shake, you're not going to feel soreness the next day because that has never been the point of the Pilates method. So I went ahead and then changed it. I added basically intensity to the method. I added some weight training exercise. And within basically four weeks, I was sold out. I was, I was booked 60, 65 hours a week. I started to get media attention. I started to get celebrities because I was doing this new Pilates style. Now, at the beginning, I didn't call my method my method because it wasn't even my equipment. And to be honest with you, Rich, I had no intention of staying in the business of fitness. I was only doing to support my acting ambition. And then it kept going and going and going. And unfortunately, after two years, <clears throat> the uh, ownership of the gym changed. The new owner felt I was a threat because everybody was coming to me. Uh, all the trainers were coming to me. I was basically the, the, the source of attraction. And he thought it was not good because he could not manage his property. So he kicked me out and uh, it kind of forced me to open my own studio. And by opening my own studio, I realized that now I had to manage that's the, the place. I had to uh, start to, you know, basically develop this, this whole business. And uh, I decided to do uh, group fitness because I thought that group fitness was actually a, uh, a, you know, a more lucrative and a more stable business than doing one-on-one -on -one training. Because on one-on-one -on -one training, you might you might train a lot of celebrities, but celebrities are um, uh, they are cyclical, right? They they'll they'll, they'll be in you know uh, they'll they'll be in in LA for one or two weeks and then they're out shooting a movie or doing something for two or three months. So it was not a, a very dependable business. You were either very busy or not busy. So I, I picked the uh, the group format model. And then one thing led to another, and then I started to develop my own method. And by developing my own method, I realized that I could not use basically the, the, the Pilates reformer. It was not working for me. So I had to create my own machine. 
So fast forward to now, you know, I've been basically constantly improving the workouts. I now have uh, 168 patents. Um, I'm constantly uh, redeveloping and reimagining the workout. I have many machines that are that I, that I'm developing, and I'm constantly just you know innovating and and I'm doing it for you know a couple of different reasons. But the number one reason is I love teaching fitness, and I I get very bored of what I teach. So for me, I'm constantly trying to just outdo myself because it, it's what keeps me interested. You know, for me to teach uh, this workout for 25 years, there's no way that I would be teaching the same workout that I was teaching 25 years ago. It's like a workout, you know, a, a bodybuild, uh, you know, variety is the number one key for any bodybuilder because your body keeps adapting to the routine and the exercises. So you constantly have to change things up. So I've always, I've always stuck to that one principle and have adapted it to uh, the method and the machines that I develop. I think that's got to be the quickest uh, bio I've ever given. Because I can talk <laughs> about this for like hours. So I'm very proud of myself. All right. Well, let's, let's dive in. Let's kind of dissect that a little bit. Yes. Um, a lot happened. Okay. It's, it's been a yeah. right. Okay, so, right. So, I mean, from actor, actor to inventor. Come on. That's, that's a whole book in itself, right? Well, actor so, wannabe to inventor. Yes. <laughs> actor wannabe. That's great. Okay, but in between there, okay, so money was a motivator. You're, you're a starving artist, we'll call you, back in the day, whenever that day was, 20-some years ago. And, and, and the business kind of evolved, and you just kind of went with it. So you're still trying to fund your acting uh, career. Um, but looking back now, now you know you're years later, you've done quite well for yourself. So you have, you'd be able to coach yourself differently if you're talking to your younger self. What would what are some things that you learned along the way that you would tell yourself twenty some years ago to do differently? Uh, you know, first of all, I would open. Uh, I would have gone through the heartache of opening more locations myself because you know the reason I wanted to the, the reason I went the, the licensing route because I could have opened. Uh, I could have opened more studios myself. I could have partnered with people to open more locations. Uh, I could have just license the name and that basically people free reign on, on how they want to open the business, but keep my name or I could have franchised it. And at the time I didn't have the, the, the money to franchise because franchise can be expensive, you know, especially when you, you start to expand in multiple States. Uh, so, and also didn't want to have this amount of control over a studio because uh, running a studio is, it's never been an enjoyable part of the business. I only like to teach. I like to improve the method and I love to teach the method. I hate to manage the method. That is not something I'm good at. And I didn't like that. So, you know, but now, you know, 25 years into it, uh, I have now uh, five studios of my own that, I'm, uh, that I basically co-own with my, uh, my ex-wife, Danielle. Those are called the Megaforma Studio. And with her now, we're putting more locations. So, you know, I, I put in the money and then basically she runs, she operates all the studio. And Danielle, you're doing a fantastic job. She's doing a really amazing job. So we're expanding. Uh, I should have done that the first thing. Instead of doing the license, instead of doing the franchise, I should basically just find someone I can just work with and then start to basically open the locations myself. And here's why. With the license, you have essentially no control over how someone is going to uh, manage the studio. And I have, I've had to, I've had, unfortunately, I've had a lot of studio calling the method Pilates or referring to my workout as Pilates, and it's not. So it's been a marketing nightmare uh, right now to try to clear up the confusion between what is Pilates, what is the Greek, 
because the two workout are actually completely different. Even though the mega former, the pro former, the machines I make um, are based on the reformer, it's like, you know, the machines is like comparing a tractor to a sport car. I mean, yes, they both have four tires. They have a steering wheel. They have an engine. They can go from point A to B, but that's it. That's that's the resemblance between those two machines. And I think that I didn't make, uh, with the license, I lost the, uh, the, the, the message. And that is something I'm, I have to clean up now. And it's much more difficult to clean up the message 25 years into it than the first year. So that's number one. Uh, and then the number two is really also to control, to keep the control over the method. Uh, I have a lot of licensees who will hire just Pilates instructors or people they've never taught before. And you start to really get a bad name for those, because of those teachers. And so I, I think that to keep the integrity of the method, I think that you need to be more controlled. Um, you know, the franchise might work for some people, uh, but it's, it's a more cash intense, uh, mm -hmm. at, at, at the beginning. So for me, uh, you know, I, I didn't want the headache. So I had my location doing very well and I started to license the, uh, uh, yeah. the method. So that was one thing I, I should have opened more locations myself and then make a decision. Okay. What do I want to do? Still open the locations myself, find an investor, or do I want to license a franchise and really contemplate about the pros and cons of all three different strategies, because you have to pick between licensing and franchising. And then the second mistake I made was to grant exclusivities. The exclusivity never work out. You might, you, 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 perhaps you can grant a short-term exclusivity to allow a studio to launch itself, but to have exclusivity that are going on indefinitely is a no, no. You will always lose. Uh, it's never, unless you get paid millions of dollars for this exclusive use, which I wasn't getting paid, do not do it. Stay away from the exclusivity. I've, I've, I've only had headaches and, and problems because of the exclusive use. So now, uh, I'm working backward with licensees. So that's what I'm doing right now. I'm working backward on, on the name for licensees to use Legree and not Pilates. And I'm working backward in removing the exclusivity. So right now I think about what, 92, 95% of all our licenses are non-exclusive, but I still have these few studios left, you know, with exclusive use in some good markets. And I really, uh, and I really want to remove that. It actually benefits everyone if the license is non-exclusive because you have more studios opening and not everybody manages studio, you know, the correct way. So there's actually not really a risk of, uh, of, uh, of saturating a, a, a market. So that is the two things that if I could talk to myself 25 years back, that's what I would say. You know, we all learn, right. We all learn in hindsight. That's just the way we learn. Um, in a lot of franchise companies, which I'm in that industry start out, even on the franchise side, you know, the first two or three or dozen buyers uh, got bigger territories or more more exclusive components to it that they later regret. Uh, but they kind of mo they mold and shape and they adapt and they eventually kind of reformulate. But uh, uh, but you also carved out the nice part of the business that you like. That was the teaching part and obviously the creating and the inventor uh, inventing inventing side. But you've done some things well too, Sebastian. So let's give you a credit for that too. So uh, what's maybe one or two good decisions that you made that would really would you would attribute a lot of your success to? Well, it's, it's a constant redevelopment of the method. It's the fact that once I have a, a method and a machine uh, built, I just don't package it and sell it. I immediately start to improve it. So I teach on a weekly basis. When people say, oh, you are the, the founder and you still teach, 
I'm like, yes, I, I teach every week. It's a necessity for me. Uh, there was a time where I was so busy expanding uh, the studios that I stopped teaching. And I immediately realized that if I didn't teach, the ideas would stop coming to me. So it's very important for the R&D uh, that I stay uh, that I stay grounded, that I'm in the trench with all the other teachers and I see, you know, what's going on. So this is why I've constantly involved the, 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 the method. And thank God I've done that because now today we have so many copycats, so many people are copying the method. And because I'm always ahead of everyone, that copycat does not affect me so much where the copycats have allowed the method to do, they've kind of validated the, the, the method in a way because now we have a lot of copycats, but we have the best technology. We have the best equipment. Of course, what they're doing is completely out of date and then based on machines that don't even have the features that we have. Um, so the constant development and the constant, you know, seeking of improving the method and the equipment is what I did right. And, you know, I would say to people that you have to, to all to li the listeners that you have, you have to decide what you're good at, because you, you are either a creative person or you're a business person. Okay, I have a master's in business, but that is not why I'm successful. I'm successful because I'm an inventor at heart. I'm a creative, I'm a very creative person. And that's where I'm, I'm really good at. I'm good at creating. I'm not good. You know, I've, I've succeeded in the industry regardless of the economic, uh, economic conditions because I always come out with products that people absolutely love. But that's because I work out myself. You know, I work out on my machines. You know, I know what people like. You know, if you love ice cream and you sell ice cream, then you're going to be the best ice cream maker. That's it, you know. If you don't love ice cream but you sell ice cream, you're not going to make the marriage, you know. You have to enjoy what you do and you have to and you have to do it never for the money. You have to do it for the art of it or the passion of it. So I know that I'm a better I'm a better inventor that I'm a better entrepreneur or businessman. I'm an entrepreneur because I'm an inventor, not the other way around, you know. So that's what really set me apart from from everyone else. And you have the mindset to mold and shift and not not uh, rest on your laurels, as they say. You're out there continuously, especially in your industry. The fitness industry is very competitive. Uh, a lot of people get bored with routines and they get a new shiny object that shows up down the street. So those who do not uh, reinvent themselves frequently kind of lose out. And, yes, uh, and, I, and I, will, I will give a quote uh, that I love from Nikola Tesla, and I'm going to paraphrase, right? He, he said it much better than me. Uh, I don't care that people are stealing my ideas. I care that people have no ideas of their own. That is so important to be an original thinker in the industry that you are. There is always a way to market your product to a new audience, to uh, to repurpose your, your your product, or to improve the the improve the the method or the machine. There's always a way to do it better. You just have to look for it. And again, this is why it's very important that you have a, a personal connection to what you do. Yeah. You know, it's a very interesting quote. I'm glad I'm glad we captured this on the recording. So I'm gonna make sure it's in the notes because there are the I don't know what the statistics are, but I'm sure that the percentages of people who are the new thinkers are very small. Okay? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so we need them to move us along for the rest of us that maybe not be. All right, let's take a break here. Let's take a commercial break. Sebastian, we, you got listeners out there. What would you like to tell them about uh, your business? So uh, you want to promote an event? Uh, you uh, tell us who your customer is? How you know all those type of things? It's your time to share a little bit about 
your company? Sure. You know, well, actually, a lot of the licensees that we have are coming from basically two industries. We have the uh, a lot of lawyers that are tired of practicing laws and they just want to make money. And uh, because we have a lot of lawyers as clients, you know, we have a lot of lawyers, doctors, nurses, a lot of people in the industry, a lot of real estate people. So for a lot of our licensees, I would say half of our licensees are people looking for change in career. They made some money already with their current uh, their, their, their current career, but it's either too stressful or too whatever. And now they're looking for something that is going to be more manageable, more pleasurable and something that they love to do. So uh, a, a lot of people are changing industry. And then we have a lot of uh, Pilates uh, people. So, you know, I, Pilates is not as popular as it used to be in the U.S. I've single-handedly changed how Pilates is taught. If you go to L.A. today, uh, you'll see most of the Pilates studios do group reformer classes. People try to uh, copy or adopt my method on the machine. So, you know, when they realize that they can't, they contact me and they decide to do the, the license. One thing that we have right now is I've changed the licensing model. I've reduced the licensing fees. So, uh, you know, the license that we charge today is only $4,000 a year. So I used to do this one-time payment. Uh, so more than ever, the licensing fee is becoming more affordable. Uh, we have, of course, you know, we, uh, we have the equipment that you can buy or to lease. You know, we have, uh, depending on the machine that you buy, you know, some people can open a business with $10,000 or less. So I've really tried to uh, to tackle all the obstacles to open a studio because in the past, you needed at least three or $400,000 to open a studio. Today, you can do it with less than $10,000, depending on, on, on which machine you decide and, and, and things like that. So I've really looked at how the uh, my licenses were operating and then try to remove all the all, all the costs you know that come with that, so that's that would be the the the, the thing that I want to promote. Now that's a that's a uh, great opportunity for those who are listening to have. Uh, yeah, is, could they do this as a side business, or do they have to do this pretty much all in full time? You could do this as a side business, absolutely. We have we have some people that are still have retained their their other career now. They have this as a as like a hobby or like you know like a. A, a part-time occupation until it becomes a, a full one. Uh, there's an event that I do want to promote. So if you are interested in opening a studio, we are going to launch our first uh, conference uh, in Vegas next year. So March 1st, 1st to March 3rd, we're going to do the first Ligri Summit at the MGM Hotel. So I'm taking over the entire convention center at the MGM Hotel. And there we'll have a pretty much every licensee we're going to have a whole bunch of vendors, everyone who's kind of tied in into uh, the fitness community. So uh, you have people who are going to sell basically uh, booking agents. You'll have uh, people who do lightning or flooring and blah, blah, blah. You'll see all the machines that I have, new machines that are coming out. Uh, we'll have demos. So it's going to be if anyone who loves the degree or anyone wants to open a studio or teach or connect with other licensees, you know, or talk to people about opening a studio, this is the event that is really, and I'm going to be there, of course, and I'm going to be leading a lot of panel discussions about how to expand your studio. Uh, you know, the, the rule has kind of changed in the last 25 years. When you open a location, you you no longer open small size studio. You have to open big size studios. So I'm going to talk about this, the advantage of, of, of to do that and basically share my knowledge of the past 25 years, you know, things that have worked, things that didn't work. And and basically a new direction because it's very important i think for any method out there for any business to always to not be too 
uh, too stuck on the past or how you done things in the past and then really be open to new ways because this world is changing. And I think it's very important to to adapt and to change with it. Well, that's a perfect segue. Perfect. Um, and by the way, I'll, we'll promote that event today and even as it gets closer. Thank you, um, but let's segue to the third part of the show, which we talk about today's world. Okay. And it's different than it was 25 years ago. And it's been different in the last couple of years. We got all sorts of headwinds that every everybody's facing, you know, labor shortages, interest rates, inflation, wars, and we got everything, political unrest. You've navigated one of our toughest times, COVID, which I know in the fitness industry, they got really hit really hard. Um, so you're not, you're not, and you've also re- navigated 2008, Great Recession. So what, how do you look at today's times? Do you see it as time to grow, expand, more opportunity? Uh, should we sit back a little bit, a retreat? Um from your experience navigating tough times and, and like I said, COVID pivoting and, and, and really dealing had a how do I adapt quickly? Share some thoughts about how you deal with things like that we're facing today. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in, in, in 2008, you know, we 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 grew enormously quickly, uh, even though there was a economic downturn, you know, global economic downturn. Uh, and I think that's because people were looking for different ways to place their money or maybe different investment. It's always like this, you know, when the market goes down, people take the money out and they want to invest in something more tangible. So opening up a studio, a brick and mortar studio, for example, they are usually this kind of business tends to do well. Uh, and that's kind of what's happening right now also, right? We have a lot of people putting the money out of Wall Street because it's been so unstable. And now they want to open maybe two, three, four studios because the uh, uh, the revenues are, are, the returns are pretty high. You know, I mean, you can't, you can gross, you know, a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars a month, you know, with the studio. Uh, this this is not something to sneeze at, you know. So there's definitely real money into uh, opening uh, a location. Uh, for COVID, you know, I lucked out. Uh, COVID, I really lucked out because uh, a year before I came out with this smaller machine because we had, we've always had a lot of people wanted to buy the Mega Former, which is our a, a big unit. This is our a commercial size machine. But the problem with that machine is big. It's it's um it's you know it's it's hard to fit in, a, in, in into an apartment. You know it's expensive. So I went the other way around. I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to make a machine uh, that is going to that we're going to be able to sell for less than a thousand dollars. A machine that's going to basically capture all the essential elements that we do on the bigger machine. Uh, something that's easy to ship and 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 something like that. So. Um, the year before, I kind of sketched out on a paper napkin this machine, right? It took me 15 minutes, sent it to my manufacturer in, in California, and then it came out, you know, with this machine that looked like a, a smaller version of the Megaformer. And I had built 100 just to kind of test out. And then on July 4th of 2019, I sent an email out to all those people on my wait list. And then we saw all 100 machines in just one hour. And I realized, oh, okay, so there's the benefit. The problem is the cost of manufacturing was higher than the retail price because manufacturing in the U.S. is no longer viable. It's just too expensive. It's you you cannot be competitive and still built in the U.S. Unfortunately, uh, especially in California, California is is in a very expensive state to build. And uh, in the fitness industry, unfortunately, we're not to a point yet where where people are. There's no Lamborghini of fitness. There's no Ferrari of fitness people. Everybody wants to buy the cheap stuff that they build in China, uh, not realizing that there's different qualities. And and I know it because I manufacture in China as well. 
Um, so, you know, I realized there was a, uh, a, a um, you know, a market for this. And then I went to China and I tried to make the machine basically more affordable. And we relaunched the micro, a different looking micro, a, a different, uh, a, a, a different model based on, on the same, uh, on the same structure. And, uh, we launched it in March, 2020, just when, uh, uh, the government forced everyone to shut down. And so it was the perfect time to launch this machine. And that machine literally just allowed us to survive through COVID, but not just survive, thrive, and also allowed many of our licensees to, to, to survive because all of a sudden they could not operate with the bigger machines, but they could actually get the smaller machines and operate outside. So we actually saved many licensees out of bankruptcy because they were able to continue to operate their studio under the new circumstances, under the new laws requirements. So a lot of locations bought the micro, started to do outdoor classes, and that was the launch of the micro. Uh, so I was very lucky. And a lot of people thought, wow, you were you were so quick to respond to COVID, not thinking that, no, no, I, I had done this a year prior. Okay, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm good, but I'm not that good. And so we, that's how we navigated COVID. And that gave me actually a great insight on new ways to actually do the method. So from the micro, I, I came out with the mini and the mini pro, and I started to look at, okay, the, the smaller machines do have a, a, a place for us. And then it started to create a whole new branch uh, in the degree fitness tree. And from there, we also grew the uh, video, uh, the online demand, uh, you know, the, the on-demand classes with a virtual platform, Legree uh, OD, uh, Legree OD, on demand. And so COVID kind of just uh, was an opportunity for us to start to launch new, new services, new machines. COVID also knocked out a lot of the copycats that we had, uh, you know, because that's kind of the nature, you know, when you copycats and you don't think about what you do, you don't think about your industry, you don't understand the industry, you have no love for it. Uh, well, you caught a few pants down. So COVID was actually pretty good for the group. You know, it actually allowed us to try new things, to launch new product. Uh, you know, it shut down some of the competition. So it was actually pretty good. Uh, I've we've, I've never had a moment in degree where basically the uh, the license are, uh, or the business is not done well. Today, we're firing on all cylinders. You know, a lot of us new studios opening with the micro, especially overseas, uh, because the conditions overseas are not the same as the U.S. You know, you want to open a studio in Paris. Uh, there are not big spaces like LA. LA, you can open a beautiful building, uh, have a, a beautiful, you know, space that is a perfect rectangle. In France, you have these, you know, tiny rooms that you, you know, unfortunately, you can't do anything. You can't break walls. You can't do because the 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 the, 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 the structure of the building is done. Uh, you have to go to new developments, but they're not. There's not that many new development in the big cities. Maybe in the suburbs, you can find that stuff. So the machines that are built are doing very well there. Um, they're also doing very well in Asia. You know, in Asia, you want to open a studio in Japan, super expensive. You're going to be stuck in a tiny room. So the bigger machines you have, you might you might be able to maybe fit one or two machines uh, of the bigger style, but you can fit nine or 10 of the smaller style. You know, so Japan, now South Korea, uh, or a lot of countries uh, in Asia, uh, we're selling a lot of licenses because of these smaller micros, uh, smaller machines. So today is great because we sell, you know, the micros, the mini pros, the mega, uh, new megas. And then, of course, during COVID, uh, even though, um, you know, the license was not doing so good and then people can open studios, I continue to reinvest into tooling, new machines and stuff like that. Uh, that is something that I've done constantly since I started, because for me, I knew that COVID was going to be over. 
uh, I had told everyone that 2024 is going to be the year when we're we're starting to get back into basically pre-COVID. And that's where I told everyone, I said, it's going to take about four years. You know, I, I, I knew if we, we're going to be close for a year, year and a half, you can expect two or three more years for the economy to kind of get back. Of course, I didn't predict all the the recession, the high interest rate and, 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 and so on. But it has not really affected us, uh, I would say, that much because this year we've been selling a lot of licenses. We've been really, uh, really busy. Uh, and I'm glad. So now I'm, I'm very happy that I continuously you know, continue to evolve and continue to invest into the infrastructure of the business because now we definitely need it. So it's everything is working out very well. So next year, I'm super happy. I think next year will be our our best fiscal year yet. Yeah, I love that story. Uh, you know, a lot of people say you were lucky back uh, in 2019. You only can be lucky if you're in the game. <laughs> so right. you were already in the game. The market shifted and you were there. Uh, so you you know you deserve a lot of credit for that, and you and you and you adapt and shift, which I think is really a beautiful thing. Because what I didn't hear, which a lot of owners do, our listeners need to hear this, a lot of them pivot to the shiny object and away from their core competence. You stayed in fitness, true and blue, your passion, you keep reinventing in that space, equipments, uh, programs, etc. But you didn't go run off to the side, chase some other thing. And I think that's allowed you to be better in the competitive space you are. And so I I hope our listeners hear that. Just uh, just be better at what you do and be willing to sh you know, shape and adapt that, which you did, Absolutely. you know, and uh, and you stay one step ahead of your competitors. Okay, last question. So most people I ask are not fitness buffs. So you already got this category down. You know, when I say, how do you take care of yourself on a personal basis? You know, you already talked about how you you do as a leader, your mindset as a leader, but you also have to get yourself out of bed every Monday morning. You got to leave the charge. You got to get that creative juices going. Um, I'm sure you got your physical routine, but you know, do you use mentors, coaches? Or do you read a lot? Uh, what keeps you focused personally? So working out, uh, I would say two things that I think any uh, entrepreneur, uh, any any people, any person going to start their own business, uh, you need to keep your sanity. Uh, it's very easy to lose it. The way I stay sane, two-way workout. So right outside of here, you have a door. Outside that door, it's a 4,000 square feet gym. That's right. That's the thing I see. Right now, I'm looking at my uh, fitness equipment. I have, uh, of course, I'm an inventor for the Megaformer and the other machines. But what people don't know is actually a whole new line of fitness equipment that I've not shown to the world. And I'm actually working out on that. So every day I try to work out at least an hour, an hour and a half in the morning. And if I have time, I work out another hour, an hour and a half in the afternoon. Um, it keeps me incredibly sane. So when I do my emails, I'm incredibly productive, effective, efficient. And the other things that I do is I meditate. Um, for me, it's very important to not engage because I get, I get, uh, People email me triggers all the time about copycats or uh, maybe there's, a, uh, you know, some people are pissed off and there's like potential uh, legal issues involved and all that stuff. So, you know, and there's also a lot of just hearsay. So when I read those emails, you know, I always have a calm mind and whenever I make a decision, I'm always doing it from a calm, uh, from, a, from, from a calm level. I never... Um, I never get riled up by an email and I just say, oh, well, and I'm just like, well, let me tell you, you know, and I'm very focused and very zen and very neutral. It's very important because I live in an industry where there's a lot of drama. The fitness industry is a, 
is an industry of just pure drama. So you do not want to engage in that. And you have to keep your level head. Some people will, will actually generate so much uh, so much drama that sometimes it, it changes your focus and it's a distraction. So I, I work out and I meditate so I am not distracted and I can just lead this. And that's why for the past 25 years, we've been actually pretty good. I got sidetracked in the past with uh, uh, lawsuits for uh, patent infringement. And I would say that this was a big waste of, of my, my, my time. And it was a big waste, a big waste of my, uh, uh, of my productivity. And today I'm, I'm, I'm rethinking two, three, four times before I make a, a, a decision with, with a legal thing, but that's what I would say, you know, working mm -hmm. out and, and, uh, and working out mm -hmm. and, uh, and then meditate Meditation. your mental health. Yeah. Medi uh, mental health is the most important thing. I don't really do, you know, uh, you know, I, I don't spend too much time reading because I'm just, I'm dyslexic. So for example, if you send me a large email, I'm most likely not going to read it because people don't understand that when you have dyslexia, it affects people differently. For me, you could, you could send, is you could send me an email and I'm going to understand the opposite of what you just, uh, mm -hmm. when you send me, I have mm -hmm. to reread it two or three times because the words keep changing on the same sentence. It's, it's the way it is. When I speak today, you're very lucky because I actually can intercept pretty good. But there are days where I'm having a terrible time talking or expressing myself vocally because the words are not coming out. Sometimes I'll say yes instead of no or no instead of yes. Or I have to think three or four times about a word because I have to think about the pronunciation or whatever. So for me, reading, I love reading, but I, it, it's just something that is hard for me to, to do so. Uh, I think a lot and meditation uh, is very important and I try to analyze. I do a lot of critical thinking, which I think is a lost art. A lot of people today want to be given the information. They want to go online. They want to read it from someone. People don't want to come up with their own response or their own answer. That is a mistake. And I think that's why we have so many copycats out there because people complete, they're not like they're lazy. It's just that they're unable to think. And yeah. that's why I always like that quote about Nikola Tesla, that it's very important to create your own idea and to really understand what you're in the business of. And remember that what you see is not what you get in every industry. You know, what you see is the curtail. What you see is what everyone else wants you to see. You need to see beyond the curtail and you, you need to understand the motivation behind what you see. Once you finally understand your market, this is the way that you'll be able to approach it in different ways. You know, uh, for example, I did a, uh, you know, for me, I like to do out of the box marketing. Mm -hmm. A couple of years ago, I had this very uh, famous ch uh, chimpanzee in Florida. Uh, I think his name is Limbani and he's had like over a hundred thousand followers, right? It's a chimpanzee. Okay. I put him on one of my machine on the micro and that video went viral. And because I wanted to show the simplicity of the machine. So I had this chimpanzee on the machine and he actually worked, he worked out on it very well. You know, no one else has done things like that, but I, right. would, that I would attribute to my dyslexia. I have a different way of thinking. And that is definitely for me, I would say for dyslexic people out there, that actually might become your, uh, your competitive advantage because I view marketing, I view the world very differently than most people. And that has allowed me to create many new, uh, many new opportunities for me and the business. Love it, love it. I always remember a movie called Goodwill Hunting. I think it was called with Robin Williams, yes. and he, and I remember the one scene. He stands on a chair, <laughs> over looking over his classroom. He goes, "You need to look out, look at what I see from up here." 
And I always thought that was a nice, different perspective on just change your environment, change your look at things. Sebastian, yeah, this has been a it's been a lot of fun, a lot of fun. How can people get a hold of you? Should they want to learn more about you or your services, or maybe even inquire about a license? Listen, you know, today's a social media world, so just go on Instagram. You'll you'll sign me a Sebastian degree, and then you can send me a message, or you can just email us info at legreefitness.com. Very good. And all that will be on the podcast notes. Notes. This podcast will air on all podcast platforms in about two to three weeks, as well as our YouTube station. Sebastian, I never want to take for granted when I get people like yourself, uh, who are leaders of companies, taking time out of your busy day to share your wisdom with our listeners. So thank you on behalf of everybody for showing up today. Thank you, Rich. Thank you very much for the opportunity and good luck to everyone. Thanks. And uh, we wish you the best. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye. Rich LeBrun here. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast, Get It Done Entrepreneurs. If you are a successful business owner who would like to be on this program, please visit us at rlebrun.com forward slash podcast and fill out the form and we will reach out to you. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show. Include the hashtag GetItDoneEntrepreneurs. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, rlebrun.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time.